sometimes feel a bit puzzling. Maybe it's that confusing car insurance policy. Or working out the right protection for your health, home and family. Or feeling unsure if your pension is on the right path. Aviva can help make these conundrums click. Solve your financial puzzles? It takes a beaver. Is what you're doing still doing it for you? I am EY. For a purpose that inspires me, and a culture that accepts. For a team that relies on me and makes me better for it. Knowing I'm always respected for being absolutely me. For my work to have meaning, ideas becoming actions and my direction my own. For leaders that challenge, guide and support, empowering me to be all I can and bring everything I am. My skills accelerated, my voice amplified. For always feeling heard and saying, without hesitation, I love what I do. That's why. EY. Mom, I got the job! She got the job! Who got the job? <laughs> Ready! She got the job! She got the job! She got the job! Find your I got the job job on Total Jobs. Hi, uh, my name's Graham Bell. I'm the CEO of B&Q. Uh, we employ roughly about 30,000 people. Um, and I'm here today to do my duvet flip with uh, young Jack here. Uh, and I think hopefully the message that I'll be getting across today is uh, my, my journey through life is very similar. I don't think it's different how younger generations are feeling today and what B&Q can offer to fill that gap of all the things that young people need at the moment. And how are we doing today? We're doing great, yeah. It's, uh, the weather's dry outside, no rain. Uh, it's another day on this planet that you've got to feel hopeful for. And yeah, I'm feeling great, very positive. And is London treating you well? London's treating me okay, yeah. Amazing. So I want to I wanna start here because we've, we've, every, every show we, we do, we always add a 1%. We're in a business of 1%. So how can you be 1%? better each time yeah yeah and one of the one percents we've had recently is your career journey in 60 seconds now if you go over if you go under it doesn't matter we're not got a timer but share a little bit about your overview of your career journey from your from when, where you started to being the ceo of b and q yeah so i'll not go early years probably started off my working career in retail in asda uh worked my way up kind of junior management worked my way up to store manager then joined a company called Texas Home Care. Uh, unfortunately, no longer around at the moment. Uh, store management, got to area management, first company car. Uh, and then I moved to Wix Building Supplies. Uh, joined them predominantly looking after Scotland, the whole of Scotland, and doing a breadth of things 
from retail property to uh, buying, then joined B&Q uh, in an operations role in Scotland, moved into the head office to do HR, believe it or not, uh, then joined Screwfix, ended up being CEO of Screwfix, then moved across to B&Q CEO where I am now. Wow, and that was under 60 seconds. Yeah. Amazing. I wanna, what I want to talk about first is your first job. A lot of young people will be going into the first job and they'll be anxious, nervous, worrying about what to do, how to, how to start, how to be a team player. What was your first job? What did that job teach you that you didn't know before you joined that you want to pass on to young people? So my first job was primarily driven by the need for money. At 16 year old, I was playing in a local football team, um, loving my football with a great bunch of guys and one of the older players of the team had his own business, uh, cutting down big trees in the forestry way up in the hills. And uh, I was looking to get money in the summer holiday for schools. And he said, come and work for me. Uh, without even thinking about it, money in my head. Yeah, I'll do it. Needed the money. And um, that job, it was quite brutal. We, we left on the Monday morning and went and lived in a little old caravan, three of us, uh, right up in the hills and worked 14-hour days. I was a young lad had a big heavy chainsaw, cutting down massive trees. It was a real eye-opener. I was absolutely kaput every day, uh, sleeping like a log and having to be woken up in the morning. And, you know, it really did bring home, and you didn't have any home comforts, no toilet, no shower, none of these sort of things. And uh, But the big thing I got from that was, you know, even when it was sleet and snow, you had to get up and out in the morning and you had to motivate yourself to get up and out there and do it. But the big thing up there and what they all recognised was there was a lot of dangers and you had to look after each other and you had to trust each other and people were very, very opening. This is a gentleman I played football with week in, week out. Great laugh, having a great time, but I respected him on the field. We had a great team, we got on great. But he brought a real different level to it for me and I kind of really brought home my strengths, I think, initially, although I didn't know it at the time, was I was a good team player and I was good at getting on board with these things and being part of a team. And and that job really, although it gave me the money I needed and got lots of money, and as a young lad, it was all about buying the latest clothes, my basic roller trousers, which you probably don't know about, but uh, they were a fashion item at the time and going out for weekends uh, before I went back to school. So it gave me the money I wanted, but it also made me think, you know, I wanted money. But I think in those days, as most kids, and I'm not saying everybody, you don't really know what you, you want to do or what's going to be the right job for you. And I think what I did think at that time was I got money, but it wasn't the way I wanted to get it. And, you know, I'm not saying money's everything, but at that age, you know, you start thinking, what am I going to do? So uh, that was my first real paying job and it kind of moved me into like a couple of different, I'd had another summer job in a factory doing shortbread and all that and it was very rep repetitive and for me I had no real interaction with a team, I had no interaction with people, uh, my interaction was with uh, shortbread fingers all day and it, <laughs> it was very one-sided. Um, so for me, and, and, you know, I was still playing the football and, and you know, I really recognised that I loved the team camaraderie. I loved that team spirit and I loved the people thing. And, and I, I knew that that's when I felt good. And it was, that, that gave me confidence. And uh, my first job at Asda uh, as a junior manager really did put me, you know, under pressure because 
Um, I had the confidence in myself, but I'd never managed much of a team before. And uh, what I soon found was that I was quite flexible at my style. I was a good communicator and I was giving people clarity. And this wasn't any training, it's just what I wanted myself. And I was able to motivate a team to do a good job uh, and, and really get the best out of them. However, in that role, even though I did get a bit of promotion, um, I didn't fit the actual profile. And in those days, you know, in the 80s, it was a very hierarchy, you know, and very autocratic, do as I say, treat people rough and you'll get the best of them. When I was kind of always over to the opposite of motivating people, playing to their strengths, uh, and treating them as I'd want to be treated. So it was probably a business that I stayed in too long because it wasn't the culture that brought the best out of me and it wasn't a culture that I could adapt to. Um, and I probably stayed in it too long, even though I did reasonably well uh, before I moved on to my next job. Graham, you've opened so many questions. Oh my God. Which is great. <laughs> and I, I, thank you for sharing your journey and getting that kind of journey where it started. You used a few words that I want us to kind of break down. And I want to, these two words you use, motivation you used a couple of times in yeah. over the couple of jobs that you did. And you also use team player. Yeah. How does one build motivation in the morning when they don't know what they want to do, they feel a bit lost, and they're being a bit lazy? How, yeah. does, how have you gone about your career to build motivation? Yeah, I mean, in a saying, I could resemble all of those uh, remarks because when I was a young lad, I was lazy. I definitely didn't know what I wanted to do and I struggled to get a motivation around things. But there is some things. I mean, I was very keen in my sport, so I wanted to do my sport. And if it's something you really like doing and want to do, um, the motivation's a lot easier. So I think for me, it was all about trying to find the things I like doing. And, you know, for some reason, I knew I was never going to make it as a professional footballer. And I knew that, you know, in this day and age, no one works just for the joy of it. There's very few do that. It's a means to an end. So you need to earn money. So I think for me, it was a motivation of I wanted some things. I wanted a family. I wanted my own house. I wanted a nice car. I wanted to go on holidays. And I think if you think of those things, you think, well, there's got to be a motivation to drive you to do those things. And the motivation is how you can achieve those things in the way that really best fits with you. And And Honestly, I can say that now, but I wasn't thinking about that at the time. And I think what happens is the motivation when you're younger is it, it's in the here and now. I took that first job because I needed money for the, the summer, going out, partying and doing and things. Whereas I think when you get your, you start saying, well, I want to move away from home. I want to go on holiday with my friends. I want to, you know, get a girlfriend and... You know, maybe we want to go out together and maybe I want to treat somebody. So there's different motivations. And I think what you've got to do is realise them. But I think, you know, I'd be lying. I, I went through all of that. I think the majority of people go through stages like that. And I think getting the message across is it's not you. You're not feeling any different. That's just life. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure everybody in their lifetime goes through spells like that, some longer, some not. But it's just how you get out of that and actually motivating yourself really is about focusing in on the things that you really want to do and make a difference, within reason, of course. But uh, I, I think it is sometimes difficult to recognise them when you're younger because there's so many things 
you want to do, but I think if you can do one or two or three things positively and moving forward, that's just the stepping stones to start. So your advice to anyone watching right now, because we are live, is right. take, take the things that you want to do, write them down, think of three things, and move forward with those three things. Yeah. And if you change them halfway through, that's absolutely fine. Uh, but if you want that holiday, then you're gonna to have to earn some money. Yeah, yeah. If you wanna take the girlfriend out for a meal, you're gonna to have to earn <laughs> yeah. some money. So find out those things that you wanna do, write them down and move forward. Yeah, and you know this, I don't think, there's, I, I never knew what career I wanted again. A lot of people, I would worry about long-term career and where you go, because one, I think, at that younger age, you don't really know who you are, you're not the finished product and you need to find out what you're really good at and as the world's ever changing, there's jobs and careers that suit your skills. So I just think if you move forward with something, it's better than really worrying about it. And of course, you learn from it. You may be a mistake. You said, oh, I wanted to do X, Y and Z, move forward this point, but you might not have done it well, but at least I know about it now. So you know, you might want to say, well, I want to go and learn to drive and all that, me and saying, a driving job, our future's not for you, but at least I know how to drive now and it's something that I can do. You mentioned you, young people don't know who they are when growing, growing up and you figure it out, and I totally agree. You, yeah. You're working it out and then you realise, I never knew I liked avocado on toast until I moved to London. <laughs> so you, you get to learn stuff about yourself. What is the definition of knowing who you are? Like, what, when can a young person, or when did you sit there and go, you know what, I actually know who I am now? Yeah. I would say it's very difficult to pinpoint a time as to when you know who you are. Because if I knew who I was when I was 25, I was probably different when I was 35. So I think for me is, it's about, you, you get to a point where I think you get satisfaction and contentment. And I think when you're younger, you want a lot of stuff and you, you, there's a lot of things that you want either you can't get and you're a bit confused, you see the world as it is and you, you want a lot of things or you don't agree with a lot of things that you know, society puts in front of you. So I think you really get to know once you're a bit older, I think, of who you are and you can't really change much. I think at a younger age, you're finding out elements of you. You're finding out, you know, this sport, that's what I do, I'm good at that. You know, there's finances. Oh, yeah, I've got that over here, but it's not great. Relationships with my partners and all that. This is how. So I think you find out elements and I think you build in that to become the finished product that you are. So I think you never really ever find out truly who you are, I think, until you're a bit older and you've experienced enough things. But I think when you're younger, you're doing the building blocks. It's a bit like Lego. You're building up a bit. And these are like great foundations for you to be on. And um, I don't think people should worry about it because the reality is everyone's different. Everyone's got their unique. You know, if I've got a really strong block here, someone else might not have a really strong block on this side, but it's something that makes them really strong if they've got another block elsewhere. So I think people find out as their life evolves, as the experiences, you know, avocado and toast, at some point you're going to experience it. You're never going to know you like it mm. to experience it. So I think you're never really going to know who you really are and to experience some things. And I think lifetime experiences is, is brilliant. And I think, you know, there's a place for um, educational experience and there's a case of life experience and just working experiences. I think all three of those have got equal importance. You, you talk about, and I really like, don't worry about some, which I say, 
don't compare your version one to someone's version 10. Yes. And we do that. We're easy to do that. How yeah. can young people not worry about it? How can they just go with the flow, move forward, learn, vow, live, play a bit of sports? How can they do that when we live in a world where everything's instant yeah. on social media and news travel so fast? What, what is your tips to do it? Uh, probably my tip is, and, and looking back at this, I've got four daughters and they're continually reminding me of their life now and how my opinions are <laughs> on their life. Um, and I think the reality is, regardless, and I would take the real comfort from the fact that everyone that's telling you anything, if I'm telling my daughters, if I'm telling someone else or advising or society is, I think if you step back and saw those individuals when they were teenagers or youngsters, they do all that things themselves. I'm saying my daughters, make sure you get a pension, make sure you start to save your property. Did you do that? Well, no, but at the time I wanted this, I did that. So I think you've got to live your life. Uh, and I'm a great believer, you know, living life is more important probably in some things you, that you consider that you've got to do. I think you've got to live your life. So I think people should take comfort from the fact that all the people and things that people are telling you have to do, when you're younger, there's not a lot of the people that's telling you are instrumental in that did it themselves. And look, they still got there. We still got where we are. I think it's a time of life where you've got to enjoy yourself and not worry too much. I'm not saying be totally irresponsible but don't be burdened with it. Because I definitely wasn't great at my finances when I was young. Definitely wasn't great for planning for the future. I lived life to the full because that's what was important for me at the time. And I think if it's important for you at that time, fulfill it and take it on 100%. I want to talk a little bit about money, money management in the minute and your advice to young people when they earn their first pay slip. Before we do that, I want to go back to the ASTA yeah. part of your story. You said that you had confidence in yourself at the start, but not confidence in managing a team. Yep. What does that mean? And how can one project external confidence with a team when they join a job or they're getting a promotion? Yeah, I mean, when I said I had confidence in myself, kind of thing, all, all my days I'd, I'd played sport, football, badminton, done other, other sports. And I think what I've done, I've been in a, pay, a team I kind of showed up well and, and, and I could really play my part and get the confidence from the team that we had a common aim, common goal. We trusted each other and that. So I kind of went there with that self-confidence of who I was. I felt confident that I could talk to people because I was kind of one of those guys on the field that was shouting and trying to motivate others. Um, and I think when you've got that confidence, but I hadn't managed a team from like what a it's this kind of perceived authority or... So I'd never been in the team where I'd been the, the, the person who was... I was younger, so I was the, you know, the overall captain and I was responsible for everything. So I think when you go there, you get this added responsibility. And I think for me, my best tip that I would use always even today is when you go into a situation like that is I think don't try to be someone you're not because people will see it. You know, it, it, the old saying of all gloss and no undercoat. You'd expect me to come out with a saying about paint and DIY. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I, I think people see it. So try and be yourself. Try and be humble and say, look, I'm Graham. I'm new. I've got this position. 
you know, I don't know at all. I'm hoping we can work well together. I'm looking for you to help me and teach me the bits I don't know and be really humble and, and be was you, honest. And was you, was you humble at that age? Yes, I was. I had to be because I was a bit worried. I was scared. I, I was, you know, I was managing a team of people uh, on a shop floor that knew their intricate jobs better than I did. And, and I recognised that. And I think if you're humble, it's about getting the team on side and understanding them. But in my head, I knew that I would recognise people's strengths, which I think I was good at. So I think if you're humble, you'll, you'll get to know them better and then you'll know what they're good at and what they're not good at. And I think giving clarity, really saying, look, this is what I want done. Can we do X, Y and Z? And, you know, listening to them and saying, is it possible? What's the problem? Because there's nothing worse than saying, let's go and do this. And then you walk away and then you realise it's either not possible or they didn't clearly understand. You come back there. So I think you've got to take ownership you know, and I think you've got to work at it. And I said, thinking thinking through my own reflections on if someone was managing me, how I'd want them to manage me, you know, be open, be honest, give me clear directions, be humble and treat me as a, an individual. And if I have got some strengths, recognise them. And, and you mentioned the culture wasn't great. How can, if, if a young person joins an organisation, the culture's, culture's not great, what can they do to influence that culture yeah um i think it's a tough call and you know i'm not saying that was just where i worked i think it was the general culture and society at the time was you know it was a very authoritarian and you were told what to do you had to do it and it was very brutal and the suppliers were they supplied all the product but they were seen like the enemy we had to get the extra money out of them and get the extra deals out of them and really be tough on them and speak up, which just wasn't my style at all. Um, so I think it's very tough. I, I would have never considered that I was capable of changing that culture at the time. Um, and I think it's very difficult for people to change whole cultures in a business at the moment. Of course, people can make a stance and things and it, it's like wedges the door open a little bit, but I think it's very difficult for people in bigger businesses to do it on their own now. They need people to help them. But I think younger people now, if they're in a culture that they don't really like, I think my advice would be is, one, you've got to rationalise it and say, and what I should have done, and, and I did do was, but I probably did, stayed there too long, was I had a job, I was getting money, and that was probably driving me, but I should have left sooner because I knew it wasn't the right culture uh, for me. But... I think nowadays people have got to make that decision so whether they stick with it because what's my priorities? If I haven't got another job to do and I've got a mortgage to pay or I've got kids or if I'm, I'm really young and I'm just starting out, it's maybe a bit easier to find somewhere where you can really be feel yourself and it's a culture that suits you. And is that why you, you went into HR, do you believe? No. <laughs> what, 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 how did you get, end up in HR? So I think what I was doing, I was doing the Operations North for B&Q and the business really wanted to move on and be, I think, a business that was more of a family business, had that, wanted to change their culture. And um, there was two, two gentlemen, a gentleman called Mike Cutt, who was the group HR, and Martin Toogood, who was the CEO of B&Q at the time, said, this is what we want to do, uh, but we want someone that has got a pragmatic, realistic approach about how we're going to do this. And the majority of our staff are in stores and we need to represent that. So we want to bring someone from stores and to help us do it. But also it was a career progression for me. And they said, well, I had all these attributes of really coming from a people point of view. Uh, but also they wanted to say, if you want to progress, 
show us that you could do different things. So it was a bit of a challenge for me. So I moved into that role with a view that I was going to, it was threefold. How can we set up better training for our people? How can we train our senior teams, which was my peers, that was the scariest bit. Okay, doing training for staff, setting up training for my peers and telling them how they could be better. Tough going. Got a lot of good feedback on that, on the spot feedback. And then this thing about the culture, and that was easy for me because that played to my strengths about let's build a culture where people, everyone's included, they can be themselves, you know, as much as possible in the retail environment and a culture that people belong to. It's a culture that looked after people. And, you know, we started it off there. It was that family spirit. You're working in a family in your store, but it's think big, but act local. Big B&Q business, but we're in this family in this store or this department in the, in, in the office. And this can-do spirit that, yes, we wanted to be friends with each other. We wanted to look after people and respect them. We had a can-do spirit that said, yeah, we're enjoying life, but we're also proud of what we're doing. So that was changing a culture. And I was lucky I had people that really wanted to get that up and running. And I was really the kind of front person that was driving all this while I had a real motivation from that's what the leaders of the business at the time wanted to do. So I was very fortunate and lucky in that opportunity, played to my strengths. The training and on-the-job training was great. Uh, Evolving peers and people as, you know, as I think as society and management come in, this whole thing tied in greatly with the culture. You, know, you, you can't just be a manager who just manages and, you know, tells you what to do. You've got to talk to the people and get to know them and find out what their strengths are. So it was equally the same thing as what we were doing with the whole business. Playing to my strengths, we're going to take a break and I'm going to make you a nice cup of tea. Sounds great. And when we get back, I want to talk a little bit more about retail a bit about money management and also B&Q as a business and all the fantastic opportunities you have available for young people. So we'll see you in a moment. There's nothing clever about selling yourself short. Oh my God. I can't tell you how many people, when you dig into their success stories, look how many failures they had first. And what marks them out is their character. And you can control your character. You know, how you respond to loss, how you respond to adversity. And what was the last thing you lost? My job, um, uh, I suppose. You've got to be honest with yourself, what went wrong. You've got to then have a realistic plan to put it right. And, you know, bags of determination and self-belief. And the fear of failure, I think you've got to get over that. How do you not let that get to you? I wouldn't say love the adversity, but respect that the adversity will make you better. I've been privileged to see you at various different junctures, and it was very inspiring then, but look how far you've come. It's amazing. <laughs> and if you just relentlessly focused on moving forward, learning the lessons of life, I think it's a recipe for success. And don't let others dictate to you your view of the world, let alone yourself. I said I wanted to be true to my convictions. I wanted to find the right life partner and give my kids the best opportunities I could. Deutsche Bank is the largest bank in the UK that you have never heard of. You know, the environment's very challenging, I think, for young people. Therefore, seek out every opportunity. 
Don't underestimate how long it's going to take to get up in the morning. <laughs> and I always say, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. I think when anyone is starting a Saturday job and you're a teenager, the biggest thing is getting out of bed. That commitment piece is really important. We know that there are young people for whom actually going to university, spending three, four years, isn't something that they want to do. They want to get out into the world of work immediately. We've got an operations talent programme, lots of different types of ways in which you can actually come into the organisation and understand what's available. So go into a meeting looking for that curious conversation. Absolutely. Then. So I think it's always striking a balance between not sort of interjecting at the wrong times or too frequently, whilst at the same time, if you genuinely have something to say that can add to the conversation and to the discussion, you should absolutely say it. So even though I've been at the bank for 25 years, I feel like I've had five different careers. It's a cliche, but really fake it till you make it. We're looking to grow our businesses. That really is the best advice. Finances can sometimes feel a bit puzzling. Maybe it's that confusing car insurance policy or working out the right protection for your health, home and family. Or feeling unsure if your pension is on the right path. Aviva can help make these conundrums click. Helping solve your financial puzzles it takes Aviva. Is what you're doing still doing it for you? I am EY. For a purpose that inspires me. And a culture that accepts. For a team that relies on me and makes me better for it. Knowing I'm always respected for being absolutely me. For my work to have meaning, ideas becoming actions and my direction my own. For leaders that challenge, guide and support, empowering me to be all I can and bring everything I am. My skills accelerated, my voice amplified. For always feeling heard and saying without hesitation, I love what I do. That's why. EY. Mom, I got the job! You got the job! Who got the job? <laughs> Granny! She got the job! She got the job! She got the job! Find your I got the job job on Total Jobs. I'm so excited, I can't tell you, you know, I just want to scream and shout. <laughs> Have you ever had an experience where you've gone into a job and thought, oh, what have I done? I felt sick to the pit of my stomach that I've made a bad mistake. I mean, I was ashamed to get a final written warning. And it is the ability to be able to take those, um, those situations and genuinely learn from them without letting them destroy you. Today's news is tomorrow's chip paper. So if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't look right, it probably isn't right. You know, an awful lot is common sense. And one of the surprising things about common sense is it's not very common. Make your choice, make the choice conscious, and then when you are wherever you are, be present when you're present.
Am I learning? Can I have influence? And am I going to enjoy this? In any situation, there are things you control and there are things you can't control. You've got more control than you realise. But equally, don't fret about the things you can't control because that is the definition of madness. There's One a real lesson there, isn't it? It's find the miracle in every situation. Yeah, yeah. Failure is not fatal. Your ability to bounce back and be resilient for me is the thing that has made me who I am. So Graham, we're back for the second yep. half and you've not left, which is good, Yeah, <laughs> which is always a bonus. I'm like, that's my test, that's my stress <laughs> test. Do they leave halfway through? No, no, that went very quick. Delighted to do the second half. Well, thank you. And you, give, you gave so much knowledge and real tangible advice to young people, especially when a lot of young people across the country are at all time low in terms yeah. of confidence and where to go. I want to talk a little bit, I said it earlier in today's, on the first half, that we talk a little bit about money management. Yeah. I get this feeling that UK culture t doesn't like to talk about money and money's a dirty word when actually money makes the world go round. Yeah. Money doesn't, school doesn't teach you how to manage your money. No. I call it money powers. Yeah, yeah. Every young person should have their money powers. You get your first, you get your first pay slip and you don't know what the NA, the national insurance is. You no. start your business, you don't know what run rates, burn rates, PNL means. Yeah. What is your advice to young people when it comes to money yeah. in terms of managing it, educating themselves on it? What should they be doing? Where should they be going? Yeah. You've got me slightly worried here because in the back of my head, I'm thinking I've got four daughters and uh, I, I do preach a bit of money management to them to varying degrees and depending on how old they are, especially the youngest ones. I suppose the, the first of all is a con kind of confession I think when you're young, I wasn't great at managing money because my priority was going out, meeting friends, partying and buying the things that I wanted. Uh, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think you've all got a different times and when you, you, got to, you make the decisions that's right for you at the right time. But I think as you mature a bit, you do realise that money is going to be important to your future happiness to a certain extent. You know, you don't need to be a millionaire to be happy and content. But what you do need is to think about how that money is. And I think it's about really realising uh, what's the things that are important to you and realising what you can do with money. And I think as soon as you find out the power that money can have, whether you don't have it or where you do have it, 
And I think what younger people now have got to realise if they can really get something in their heads about, and it is sometimes about having a savings plan or putting money somewhere where they think either it's difficult to get to, it's separated. And it doesn't matter what anyone does, even, you know, nowadays I can do it, where if you don't put money away, you know, your current account you'll be spending. And in the today's world, even for me, it's so easy to spend money with your phone, credit cards, online. So I think my biggest advice with people would be sit down, talk to older people, talk to your mum, talk to your dad. Of course they're going to tell you things you don't like or you're going to automatically think they're wrong or they don't know all the pressures you've got in your life. But just talk to them because at some point, some of that is going to land true. And I think even if it's not your mum and dad, it's friends who seem to have done something differently. And, you know, you've always got a friend who's managed to save that and got his blooming car before you have or going on a holiday or taking their partner out for a meal and and done some of the things or got nicer clothes than you and I think there's an element but we all want to better ourselves and do our things but it's doing it in moderation and I think you will have some people we all know them and they start off and they save every penny they can get because they've got to go and they're really driven it doesn't mean to say make to say what you're doing is wrong I think everybody's got different routes. So, but I think it's getting that recognition. You need to understand it and what you want to do. But also this realisation of don't be buying that really car that is not efficient, really expensive. It's going to drain all your money because the reality is it becomes a noose around your neck and it's all in moderation. And I think you've either got to manage yourself. And this is a maturity point of view and it is very difficult. And I've been there myself. I can preach it now, but it's not what I did myself. You do have impulses, you do do things, you spend a lot of money and you think, God, I've not got much money left for the end of the month. But I think as you grow older, and I think as you, you go through that phase, you will have to, and then you have to sit down and you think, this is my priority and here's what I'm going to do. And it's kind of like saying, that's the money that I'm going to save or look after for that. The rest of that I'm going to do with what I want. And it is difficult. And I think as you get older, you, know, you get kids coming along, houses... I wouldn't even worry about that just now because the world will change so quick, your job and things. Just concentrate. Don't look years ahead. I would look the next couple of years because it's very difficult to look years ahead. It's just so daunting. Just look at the next couple of years. What is it you want to do? How do you want to spend the money you make? What do you want to save? What do you want to do with it? Do you want to get something specific or do you just want to enjoy life and have a little pot at the side? Have you ever been on TikTok? I have been in TikTok. So you'll, you might, it might come up on your algorithm, it might not, but it's these get-rich-quick schemes. Yeah. Tell, tell us, what's your advice to young people that, that see these get-rich-quick schemes? I, I, um... I, I, when, as soon as I see one, there's two things I report on TikTok, is when someone's being cruel to an animal or when uh, these get-rich-quick get rich schemes come up and I just like this is not cool yeah what was your advice to young people that may be influenced into those kind of schemes yeah. I think the reality is and this is the bit you've got to realize you know it's a bit like winning the lottery of course you go into the lottery and there's a very small chance again so there's a very very small percentage of these things can work somewhere around the world or somebody's made something out. But the reality is there is no silver bullet. There is no easy way to make money. And these get-rich-quick schemes are there to get money from you. 
And that's all it really is. And I think... It's to get them rich quick. To get them rich quick. It's someone else's scheme. So my advice would be, and it is very difficult because they're, they're very well done, is, look, if it's too... It's an old saying. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And again, you will have friends. You will have parents, if, if they're around or that, parents, friends, or even other peers talk to them because the reality is there'll always be someone that's either been caught out and, and we're forever hearing about scams on older people or people in that, at the moment. It's equally as well documented on younger people getting involved in things. So, I mean, they are just one of those things that we've got in society, but the reality is it's someone else's quick rich and they're going to get it out of you. So, you know, it's, they come up, they're in your face, you just got to deal with them and say, that's not for me. And just really have a strict thing and say, and that's not what you're going to be doing. And you'd never enter into anything really quickly. And I, I love your opinion around going, taking the advice. And for those who are listening in, Graham and I are not money experts. No. So go, we've got a disclaimer on about on the bottom of the yeah. uh, footer. So go and take your advice. Go and speak to an expert. And just be cautious when you see those get rich yes. skip schemes, isn't it, online? Yeah, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about retail. Oh, good. So... <laughs> We, we had a guest on, I won't name who they are, but if you went back on the video, you'd be able to say, and they are from the hospitality industry. Right. And they said, hospitality is better than retail. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know who's coming on soon, <laughs> who can uh, do the counter argument. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the retail industry. What is it? How many people does it employ? Why is it a good place for young people or anyone? Yeah, yeah returners to work to come yeah. in and start their career in retail look uh, the biggest thing i could say to promote retail is look at me you know I, I i've come in i've you know i've not gone to further education i've not got a degree uh, i've come in and i've been able to work myself up through various companies through what i do and how i worked and what i've done uh, but also it gives you a huge breadth of opportunities because when you come into retail, it's not just shops selling products. We've got all the attributes of any other business. You know, you've got finance, you've got marketing, you've got e-commerce, you've got, you know, other aspects even of, you know, supply chain logistics, looking internationally. And retail, you know, people see it as it, it, it employs millions of people and it's the biggest employer, retail uh, in the UK and I think there's an element of it gives you an avenue that is so broad that you can come in and you have a better chance of finding your strengths get and appreciated wherever they are so you're, there's a broader aspect of all the different jobs it's there somewhere along the line you'll find one whereas you go into other jobs you know if you're going to an accountant firm and it's money it's numbers if you go into a, a, a digital web, it's technology and all that. And I think what retail has been in, in B&Q, we, we've got a fantastic scheme where we see a lot of youngsters coming in. We, we pay our youngsters from 18 the same wage as we pay anyone who's 50, 60. And we've, we have a huge spectrum from 18 to 90 something people work for us. They all get paid the same. So I think it's great for the young. We don't wait until they're 21. We treat them as adults nice. if they are adults. And, and we offer, whether you want a career or whether you want to come in and be really satisfied, you know, but we offer apprenticeships and, uh, you know, we've got apprenticeships that can get you a career ladder. Yeah. 
we've got apprenticeships that can end up giving you an MBA. And I think that for me, I didn't have the opportunity when I was younger to go into an environment where I was earning, I was working, and I had a company that would support your learning and development and giving you qualifications. So I think it's a great opportunity for that. And we've got, you know, thousands of youngsters doing our apprenticeships. And, and you know, I, I met someone in, in, in one of our Liverpool stores recently, a young lady, and she joined us specifically, bit of money, short term, till she sorted out what she'd do, and came in and said, oh, I can learn and develop, and the apprenticeships really got her up. And she's looking to progress, possibly to do an MBA in the future. But alongside that, it's given her a career and things that she didn't even know she was good at. You know, she's managing a team of people now. She's specifically working and designing kitchens and bathrooms and all that. Great inspiration, giving people satisfaction. But she's got her first home. She says to me, I've got it eight months early. And I'm thinking, oh, that is a plan. So I think what we in retail have got, have got a broad spectrum of opportunities. It's one of those, if you show up and you do well and you work hard and play to strengths, you probably get rewarded uh, more so than other businesses. But I think you've got to hit hurdles, whether it's exams, qualifications, or so I think it's open to all. Um, but I think you can, it's a business that rewards your individual strengths and it can utilize all the strengths that's out in the world there. And for me, you get that variety. It's never one day is the same as the next. You're meeting customers, you're meeting people, you're meeting different things. We're changing, we, you know, the, the customer demands are changing every day. So the business is changing. You know, we've got technology, we've got web, we've got marketplace, we've got design tools for kitchens, we've got handheld terminals that you can do, payment schemes. So you get lots of flexibility, you get variety. And I think retail also gives you that work-life balance if you work it properly you know you can sometimes get hours to suit you of course sometimes Monday to Friday weekends but most retail businesses now you know they recognize the, the the wealth they've got if they've got really motivated people and I'm a great believer you can never separate home life and work life if they're both in harmony home life's better work life you work better there and you're a happier more content person so and, and I think in retail hospitality they may think it's better, it's not Mr. for me. Mr. Hospitality, who came in yeah. recently, said... Mr. or Mrs. Hospitality, yeah. well, late miss, night. This, this one was Mr. Hospitality, yeah. and you're Mr. Retail. Yeah. So, Mr. Hospitality said that uh, they offer an experience where retail's quite transactional. Then I went on to ask the question, is what, it, what does hospitality offer different and over retail? I want to ask the same question to you. What yeah. is... What is because a lot of young people are sitting there looking at, okay, do I go into hospitality? Do I go into retail for my first job? And I'm saying, go and try both out is what I'm trying to do, just get into work and earn yeah, money. Yeah. But because uh, obviously we went down that road of what's hospitality, what is, as the uh, ambassador of Mr. Mr. Retail, yeah, what, what yeah, is you're, your... You're putting me in the spot now because um, if, if Mr. Hospitality was here, <laughs> I would say, well, I would say it's not just hospitality. I think you both would get on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hospitality, look, you're going down saying yours is the best. I'm saying for young people, find the job that really suits you. And I think retail has got great attributes because we can offer great career progression. As I said, we, we pay well. Uh, you know, and, and if we got into a bit of a bun fight, I, I could point out differences of split shifts, late nights. Now, he might say, oh, great late nights behind the bar. I'd say, well, but yeah, 
we get a real structured base that I think people can get um, into. And I think in retail, there's a lot of lot of things that you get that come with retail. You know, it, it, it's the kind of base of the companies. They've been there a long time. They're, they're safe. They're structured. You get all those familiar things. But you also get the newness, the variety, and they're growing. They've been serving those drinks in hospitality the same way for years. I've not seen anything new or different there. So, so I, I By think... the way, I don't want you both to fire. I want everyone to get on because I pride with kindness. Yeah. But... He may be bigger than me, so yeah. let's keep it sweet. But look... Um, yeah. Equal up, but but younger people, I do think you 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 probably made the comment yourself is get out and get into work yeah. and judge for yourself because I'm a great believer and you know I, my own prejudice would be you'd find it in retail, but it may be that you find it in hospitality as well and it, you you find something that really suits you and your lifestyle and you know and you know I did a little bit in hospitality when I was a young lad and you know those late nights and then having to get up in the morning just didn't work for me. I'd rather go early morning, right through, and then get a good night's sleep and get up for the next one. But And I, and I think the, the things that retail do offer is all that career progression and that long future, where I think hospitality probably is a bit more, it's those little gigs, I always think, and you're moving around and you're doing it. So I'd definitely opt for retail. And look, there's someone like me can make it all the way to CEO. Uh, you know, I think retail offers you great opportunities Great lifetime experience and great contentment. I think you've convinced everyone. You've <laughs> convinced me. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about B&Q. How does it work? How does it operate? Who does it serve? How does it make money? Just like a lot of young people may see the drive pass in the back of the car, the orange logo next yeah. to sometimes next to a Tesco. I know my one uh, in Romford was next to a Tesco. Yeah, yeah. Um, on um, um, Pettis Lane or somewhere. What is, what is the business? How does it operate? What does, yeah. what does it serve? And what are some of the things that people would be surprised about that you're doing in terms of sustainability and all the good oh, stuff you're yeah, doing as well? Yeah, the great stuff. Well, look, I think the business, people always saw it as a big DIY business and it did start out in the 60s as a DIY business. But, you know, our kind of, our belief now is that we've, you know, the home, you've got a lovely home here. Uh, and but everyone needs a home that they can feel safe, that they can go back to. It's a place where they can feel safe, comfortable. They can get a good night's sleep, and you know they they, they can live in, and it's it's got reasonable standards that they can live their life. And I'm a great believer that that is a great base, not just for every individual, but for society. And I think if we can, we do a lot of work with shelter, and you know if if everybody in the UK or even in the world had a a fantastic, not a fantastic home, a nice home that they could know they were safe in, they could get all their basic elements. I think well-being, how people live their lives, how they see lives would be much better because you need that as a base. And sometimes when you've had a terrible day and that, it's great to go home to your comfort or your own home and, and, and be yourself. But I think we believe that everyone can improve their homes to make life better. And when I say that, I think everything of the home because previously it was DIY fixing up your home and doing the job yourself but I'm now saying any aspect in your home whether that's you do it yourself or where you get a tradesman to do it we want to be involved in that and what we want to do we're moving the business from a DIY business to a business that helps you manage your home whether it's the furniture whether it's the lighting whether it's the maintenance whether it's the extending or being it and fundamentally we're looking at 
throughout the world and we want to be, we, we go to America, we've got different countries, we're looking at all the products that are getting made by suppliers and there's great innovation from suppliers and how life's lived in different countries. And you know, 30, 40 years ago, people would say, oh, go to America, oh my God, look at that, you know, oh, go to Eastern Europe, look at that, or go to Australia. The world's become a small place now and we can all have what, if it suits us, more or less what's on the world. So B&Q is a business that wants to supply all that products, but we want to make it easy. So we're also driven in the fact that if you want to do something, if you want to do it yourself, you can buy the products easily, you can get them delivered, you can go online, you can come into the store, but if you also want it fitted, we can fit your kitchen, fit your bathroom, or you know the tradesman can do it for you. So it's making it easy and convenient uh, and taking a lot of the stress out of it, but also giving you the inspiration the ideas what you want to do with your home. You may never have thought of using your kitchen as a work from home office, or you may never have thought of putting an office in the garden. Or, or using your living room as a studio. Studio, and here we go, we could help you out with that. <laughs> so I think all that aspect to the business, and we're like any other, we're like any other business, big business. We buy a lot of products from the UK. We, we source some products from the Far East, and we've got to get involved in buying those products, getting them into the business, distributing them, opening up our stores. We, we've got to train our staff how to use the technology. We've got a marketplace that really gives us, we, we have a core range of products in our own DIY and in our own stores. Then we, we have a breadth that allows us to do like a marketplace. You know, we, we're wanting to say anything associated with the home will be fair game to be, you, you'll think of going on DIY.com. So as a big business, we manage all that. But of course, we've got the same aspects as any other business financially. You know, we. We're part of the Kingfisher Group. You know, we've got reporter accounts. We do all, all the financial things that you have to do. We do marketing. We run webs. We've, we've got a big office in Southampton, you know, you know, over a thousand people in there sometimes. And we do all the things that you can imagine. You know, if people think, well, logistics, supply chain, great careers. People can get them being queue. Accountants, we've got accountants. We've got lawyers, marketeers, web papers. You know, we haven't got doctors and nurses, but you think any other uh, career out there in retail we have. And within that, you, you mentioned sustainability. We want to be seen as a responsible business. It, it, it's a legacy that I would like to leave when, when I leave is that people say, look, I, I came back to B&Q and, you know, they were number one in the DIY and in the home improvement market, but we, we seem to have our heads down a bit. And I came back and said, look, We've got to get our mojo back. We're number one. We're going to start acting like number one. And that's not just in sales and how we drive our stores, but it's also the things that we can do is be seen as a responsible retailer, not just internally, but externally and even internationally. So I wanted people to recognise B&Q as being the, they're an inclusive company. We welcome all. We, we do a fantastic job on how we drive sustainability and, and, and we can lead not just our industry, but help our suppliers get there. So I want people to look at us and say, there's a business that's responsible and leading and driving. So we've, you know, we're a founder member of the FSC, which is the, um, it, it, it's a forestry commission. And, and we look at making sure that all the, the wood is sensibly and responsibly sourced. So if it's FSC stamped, and we, we, we're a founder member of that, the, the forestry commission. What we can also say is that we're a, a leader in actually driving a lot of the products. So we were very instrumental in going to the um, paint manufacturers because we were a big buyer and we 
I've forced maybe the wrong word, but we encourage them to take out all the negative and bad products out of paint and find a way of making paint more environmentally friendly. And, you know, we're in a position to do that and, and we can do it. So in, we've got targets of how we want to be, you know, carbon neutral, but we're doing a lot of things on uh, the products that we sell. And, you know, if you look at them, how they're produced with suppliers and working closely with them to take packaging out, how could it be produced more responsibly? How can we look at the transport that we use? We've got our own buildings. If we own the building, we'll try and put solar panels on it. If we rent it, we'll try and encourage. We'll look at how we heat. We put LED lighting in all our buildings. Doing loads on that front. We also, you know, really try to help our consumers. And, you know, one of the biggest things is you, you, you can do lots of things. And energy has been a real focus recently. As you know, the electricity and gas prices have gone up. And we've launched uh, energy... It's our energy saving survey service, and what you do is you phone up, and we've done this through the um, the energy saving trust, so it's kind of qualified, and they will give you a survey on your home, and it will give you a list of options, what you can save, and roughly the cost of of what it is uh, from putting solar panels on, heat pumps, double glazing, draft excluders, insulating your loft, all these different things, and we've got a lot of lot of. Houses in the UK, two thirds of them, you know, are kind of older properties, and they've not been well insulated. They, they, you know, they're not envir environmentally friendly from an energy point of view. But this gives customers what we feel is a service, is a list of options and a job list that they've got a price and a thing that they can do the benefits. And of course, we'd want them to come to us and, and spend their money, and we would help them. Because, but what we are saying is, first and foremost, it's a brand you can trust. It says it's up to you to make the decisions. We're not forcing them to do anything. It's up to them. They've got a credible list and then they can take action on it. And this is really about helping customers save money just now because I think people feel, but indirectly, it's environmentally helping the environment using less energy. So it's a consequence of it. But I think it's what drives customers more at the moment. I think they would like to think, I'm going to do something for the environment. But lo and behold, I really need to save money in my electricity and gas bill, primarily. So we're doing a lot on that with our uh, customers. And, and I think if you look at the, the whole sustainable way, I mean, we, we've tested and trialled things with doing some of our delivery trucks on gas. We've also looked at, um, you know, not just the lighting in our stores, how we can actually promote things with our own staff and give them extra discount on these environmentally friendly products. And... You know, even business decisions, you know, we've, we've made some tough decisions where we've kind of reduced the price of some of our products, it's called nailed down products, of some of these environmentally free products, which, you know, it's a bit of a risk for the business, but we're a big business and we, we feel it's the right thing to do. So I think being, I, I think being a responsible retailer, you've got to look yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, I've got responsibility to my shareholders. But I've also got responsibility to my kids and the world that they're going to be living in. And, and I've got to be saying, is my conscience clear that we're doing a bit on that? And I think we can't change the world overnight, but we've got to continue, keep going and do our bit. Thank you for sharing that. And people think this is, will be all set up because you just talked about look at yourself in the mirror. And the, the final question before the final, final, final question, question is behind me, there's a mirror. Uh -huh, yeah. And, <laughs> and I, want, I want you to look into the mirror and you see your 21 year old self. Oof. What would you be saying to your 21-year-old self now? Um, firstly, you, you 
can't go out and party all night and play well at the football next day. That's definitely the first <laughs> thing I would be saying. I think if it was my 21-year-old self would be saying, um, I would be saying to, to you saying, you're in a world that, and, and I was in a world that's fast and it's changing. I think enjoy it uh, and, and you have a part to play in it but also to the point that you need to find, I think when you're 21, you get to that age where you think you've got to start taking a bit of responsibilities for yourself and say, Graham, you can be someone who moans and groans about someone else has done really well, look at what they've got, or look what's happened to me, this is a negative on me, or look at them in that country. You can be negative as much as you like, uh, but the reality is the buck stops with you because a lot of other people, it's not their job, it's your job now. You're 21, don't be a victim, get positive. And I think what you'll find is, Graham, I'm looking in the mirror again now, 21-year-old, don't become a victim to all the negative things because it's up to you and you make the decisions about your life. There's nobody more invested in you and your life than yourself. So get motivated, don't blame others take responsibility for your actions and, and do something about it and don't blame others that whatever's happening is your fault because we all make choices. And I would say get up there and drive your own agenda and, and have that resilience about you're going to make mistakes but learn from them and, and just keep going because you, know, you learn from those mistakes, they make you stronger the next time. You don't normally make the same mistake twice or, or to the same extent. So I think what you've got to do is look in the mirror and say, it's down to me now. I can't rely on, of course you get help from mum, dad, friends, family, but it's you and don't think someone get else positive. has got a duty to give you what you want. Absolutely. Wow. Wow, there you go. <laughs> I think 21-year-old Graham just fell off his bed. Yeah, and I'm, of... I'm going to get help when I go home. I'm going to get help when I go home. I'm That's telling you. funny. But talking about... Falling off his bed. What's your duvet flip? What gets you out in the bed in the morning to flip the duvet? It's my final question. Final, final duvet flip. Yeah. Normally it is the alarm. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of these and the alarm goes off. I've got to get up and get out and get in the shower. My wife gives me hell because I wake up every morning with a bit of a sing song in the shower. Not a fantastic singer, but in the shower I'm brilliant. <laughs> um, you know this, and, and, and you know, I have been asked some of this before and some of my family, and I think things evolve over time, but in the role I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm so lucky. I get up and not one day is the same. Um, I'm doing an interview today, you know, and th that's a bit different. Um, so I think you get up every day and I think there's so much things that are changing. And I see a lot of the new things that we're trying and testing. And what gets me up in the morning really is that I'm going out there. I get a great kick. It's probably a bit about my own ego and seeing people develop. And I, I, I feel as if... They've probably got all the natural skills, but I feel like I'm, I'm helping them and I'm, I'm part of it. So I kind of latch onto their coattails and say, yeah, th this is great. This person's developing. I can see them growing. But I think the businesses and, and the world's changing so fast now and getting that flexibility to move a business and do some of the things really feels as if you're still adding back. I'm still learning and I'm still learning lots of new things. So I get up every morning thinking, it's not going to be the same as the other day. I learn stuff. I learn from people. I can see them motivating and growing, but I can see a business that's moving forward. 
And I get such variety, you know, in, in my role, I get lots of variety, whether it's dealing with suppliers, whether it's talking to customers, going out in stores. I'm probably a bit more fortunate if someone's sat in the audio, but so that, that really gets me out in the moment because every day's got that kind of variety for me. And I, and I really do feel that I'm, some people might disagree, that I'm adding value and I'm moving things forward. And you know this, there's nothing better in having a bit of a laugh and getting to work and enjoying yourselves. If you can work in an environment where you enjoy the people you work with, you don't have to take yourself too seriously. You can have a real joke and a laugh and, and, and be humorous about things whilst being proud about doing a great job. So I'm happy, go lucky, enjoying life and being proud of what I do and enjoying it until someone tells me differently. Well, Graham, I can honestly say you've added value today. You, you've been a lot of fun, both on camera and off camera. I just want to say thank you for turning up with grace, with energy, and giving us this, all this real meaningful, depthful, depthful is that a word? I don't know if it's a word, but it's gonna be a word. Yeah. Encouragement, but advice as well, so thank you. Thank oh. you with all my heart. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Thank you. Great. feel a bit puzzling. Maybe it's that confusing car insurance policy or working out the right protection for your health, home and family. Or feeling unsure if your pension is on the right path. Aviva can help make these conundrums click. Solve your financial puzzles? It takes Aviva. Is what you're doing still doing it for you? I am EY. For a purpose that inspires me, and a culture that accepts. For a team that relies on me and makes me better for knowing I'm always respected for being absolutely me. For my work to have meaning, ideas becoming actions and my direction my own. For leaders that challenge, guide and support, empowering me to be all I can and bring everything I am. My skills accelerated, my voice amplified. For always feeling heard and saying without hesitation, I love what I do. That's why, EY. Mom, I got the job! You got the job! Who got the job? Granny! She got the job! She got the job! She got the job! Find your I got the job job on Total Jobs. Yeah.